Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying Trekkie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. Hi, I'm Amy Bodkin, coming to you live from the blanket fort in my office. And welcome to Special Needs Kids Are People Too. For our last episode for 2023, I wanted to take some time to focus on the idea that moms are people too. I think sometimes when it comes to holidays, sometimes moms can get so focused on trying to make their children's childhood memories magical that sometimes they will forget about themselves. And sometimes they're busy trying to make sure that they've taken care of the needs of all the other relatives as well. But moms really are people too. I think a lot of times as women, it's very easy for us to put other people's needs ahead of ourselves. We do that with our children because they're our children as well as our responsibility. But I think it's also easy for us to do that for others as well because many roles in a woman's life can be a role that involves kind of serving others in some way. Many women find themselves in helper positions, whether that's in your chosen career or your choice to be a homeschool mom. There's so many positions that women choose to put themselves in that are roles of caretaker or um, forming some kind of service for others. And I think because that's been such a focus for women in general in our culture, that it's really important to take time at this time of year to talk about self-care, that yes, moms are people too, and we have needs as well. A lot of times when I talk about self-care with families who have a child with a disability, I kind of get that look from people like they're rolling their eyes and like, not this again. (laughs) I've already told them I can't do self-care because I can't get a babysitter. And there are a lot more barriers in the way of what we think of traditionally as self-care when you have a child who has extra needs. I mean, it's just the nature of the game. If a child has extra needs, then they're going to need more support. And sometimes we're able to access other supports to help offset some of that extra work. And then other times we're not. Uh, the, the cost of therapies and medical equipment can sometimes make getting help from other people cost prohibitive. And certain kids do require people who have a certain level of training to be able to keep that child safe. So just asking people from your community to come in and give you a hand, sometimes that's going to create more work than it's really actually going to help. And at the very least, it'll probably create some stress because then the parent will be worried that maybe it's not going well or that their child is uncomfortable or in pain or something like that and other people aren't able to really know what to do. So there's definitely definitely some roadblocks to self-care when you have a child who has extra needs. 
But that doesn't mean that we can let go of self-care because it is really, really important. If we forget that we are people too, then it makes it really hard for us to take care of ourselves and to also take care of our children. A friend of mine described it to me this way. And of course, at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, nice. (laughs) Uh, She was saying, it's like the airplane analogy, Amy. You have to put on your own mask first. I'm like, yeah, 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 but she can't put on her mask. So I need to be able to help her like that. There's a limit to that because there are certain needs that have to be met. And that's true. What we need to learn how to do is how to put our mask on first in a way that is more accessible than some of the things we typically think of when we think of self-care. A lot of times when we think of self-care, we're thinking like, oh, you got a babysitter for the afternoon, so you could go out and do some shopping or um, a hobby you enjoy. Or, oh, you go and get a massage every week. Or maybe you go to the spa or you get your nails done. Or, you know, we're thinking about going and doing something that costs money. And the reality is, is that for a lot of families who have kids with additional needs, this is not an option. There's no money left because so much of the money has gone to therapies, medical treatments, so many things. The number of special needs families who have taken out a second mortgage to pay for services their children need is kind of crazy. And especially right now when we've got rampant rates of inflation, that's even more problematic. And I know this is affecting people that I work with too right now. But it doesn't have to cost money to take care of ourselves. And it doesn't have to cost a great deal of time either. Some of it is the attitude that we put forth each day. At some of the most difficult times in my life, I have tried to remember something that Charlotte Mason talked about, that every day a child needs something to love, something to think about, and something to do. And so very often I have looked for those things when life has been hard. What's something beautiful I can appreciate today? What is something that can give me some food for thought today? What is something that I can just do without having to think about it? Or something I can do and actually have some control over? (laughs) Those kinds of things can be really helpful in providing us with a little bit more balance to our lives because very often we either end up only thinking about things because you're spending the whole time thinking about, okay, how can I support this child better? What am I doing wrong? What am I missing? What are the doctors missing? Uh, All those kinds of things. Or we can end up so busy doing for other people that it's constantly an outward type motion and never just doing for the sake of doing. We need a little bit more of that kind of balance. So that's kind of what I've used to think of when I'm trying to think, okay, I need some kind of self-care, especially in a difficult spot. But what can self-care look like? Does it maybe look like for doing, maybe, maybe you're doing dishes and you choose to do a washing dishes meditation. So instead of thinking of all the other things you have to do and stressing yourself out, maybe you just stand there and feel the water as it's coming out the faucet, the temperature, the texture of it on your skin, and then feel the plate and the soap and the sponge, and constantly paying attention to every single sensory input that you're getting so that you're focusing 
on holding this one single moment in time. Because one of the things that stresses us is trying to solve all of the problems. And I get it. I get tired of trying to solve everybody else's problems. And I don't mean all of my clients. I mean all of the problems that my doctors, I feel like, are supposed to be solving. It gets very frustrating when, you know, you go into the doctor and you don't get the help that you need. Well, same way goes true for families who have kids with additional needs. They get tired of going to the doctor and then having to go home and research everything because, you know what? People are human. They make mistakes. And nobody cares more than mom does. So it's something that's frustrating because we feel like we're kind of always on, whether we're always on using our brain to solve problems or we're always on doing things for other people. So when we can find an activity where we can focus on less of the purpose of why we're doing it and who we're doing it for, and we can focus more on the sensory sensations and just hold the moment, that can be calming. That's one way of getting self-care and still being able to not have to have a babysitter, to not have to spend money, and for it not to take a very long time. Another thing we can do is we can create safe spaces in our home so that each person can have their safe space to go to. When my kids were small, their room was their safe space. And we had a video camera that was up in the very top corner of that room so that I could see what they were doing. Because one of my kids liked to ride the blinds like a horse and was always coming up with some creative use for the furniture that it was not intended for. But being able to have a video monitor where I could turn the sound off and observe just the screen to make sure my kids were safe and then maybe hide in the closet with a piece of chocolate. I mean, sometimes that's what mom needs. Sometimes you just need 10 minutes of peace and quiet. Sometimes, like our children, we also experience sensory overload. So sometimes we're trying to pay attention to the sensory sensations, like doing a dishwashing meditation. And that's one way of holding a moment. But other times, we can be completely overwhelmed with our senses, usually because a child is making constant repetitive noises and won't stop. That happens a lot in our house. And if you're at all noise sensitive, then that can be the thing that just is too much that day. And so, you know, making that safe room for your kids, a space they like to be, and having a video monitoring system so that you can go to a different room and still watch them, but you don't have to hear it. Sometimes that's the break you need to be able to come back and be the kind of mom you wanna be. Another thing you can do, put on noise canceling headphones. You can still see them. You can still kind of hear them to a degree, but it dampens the sound. And sometimes we are looking at trying to find ways to dampen the sound. You could also put earbuds in your ears and then put noise-canceling headphones over them. You just need to make sure that your eyes are watching your kids if they're awake. But we don't have to monitor them with our eyes and ears at the same time. We can choose to use one for monitoring and one for something else. Another way that some parents will use is to try and get up before their kids. This never worked for me because as soon as I was awake, it was like my daughter had this radar system that alerted her to the fact that mom was awake. I could never get time by myself when, she, when I was awake because she was awake as soon as I was awake. So that made it very difficult. A lot of times I would definitely plan on a rest time during the day and whether they slept or not, I didn't care. I want you to go to your safe room and I want you to play with your toys or look at your books or whatever it is you're into. And then mom's gonna go do something else because everybody needs a break at some point. You can't be on it all the time. When I can get 
time, one of my favorite things to do is to do yoga because I can do yoga from any room in my house. I can also do yoga in my mind, which seems like it would be counterproductive because you're not actually moving. But at times that I have been most stressed, and I definitely had some of those moments these last several months, I will envision a space that is my calm, safe space that I love to be in, that's quiet. And in that space, there is a yoga mat. And at times that I've been particularly anxious, I will go to that space and I will envision myself going through an entire yoga routine. And although doing the same exact yoga routine every single day is really not good for your health, it's important to vary things up. It doesn't matter when it's in my mind. In my mind, it can be the same exact routine over and over and over again. And it's not going to have a negative impact on my body. And it's going to help me to center and to calm. Some people are able to do that with particular types of music. Some people prefer uh, some kind of sensory texture, whether it's something squishy or soft or slimy. Uh, there's so many different textures. Sometimes it's getting to be a little messy, but being creative too, like painting, which sometimes can not be a possibility when you have children who are not very good about not getting into things. But you know what? If you have a spouse, that might be a time that you might say, hey, I'm going to go to this other room and paint for a little while because I can't paint with them in the room. Or if you don't have a spouse, if you have an older sibling who's willing to watch them for like, you know, 30 minutes a day, that would be great. Or maybe, now this is another thing that I did when my kids were small. I made a point of training a babysitter. I trained one babysitter at a time, two would have been good though, to be able to kind of hold down the fort at my house if I wasn't there. And I did this because we didn't have any family in the area. So it was just me and my husband. If there was a problem, it had to be one of us. And he worked 12 hours a day and was an hour away. And often I was unable to get in touch with him. So sometimes it was just me. And especially once I had two that had additional needs going on, sometimes that wasn't possible, especially if I got sick. So I always made sure that I trained a babysitter that I could use if I needed to. And I made sure that they were fully aware of all of the kids' needs and how I would do things if I was there. And some of them were truly spectacular. I also made a point of trying to make friends. Now, I'm not very good at that sometimes. Like, I'm really good at socializing with people. I love being with people. But I don't ever really think about making friends. Usually, I just acquire them. Like, somehow, I get them. I'm not entirely certain how. But I do remember we had been where we currently live for maybe a year, year and a half. It was a year and a half. And I still didn't have many friends outside of my job. And I lost that job because they downsized while I had cancer, which was fun. So I came back to no job and I didn't know many people in the area still. And I especially didn't know anybody who was staying home with kids. And I really wanted a friend. And one day I made a friend. She accosted me on the street with her stroller <laughs> and said, hey, we're taking walks like every day. Do you want to join us? And I'm like, yes. 
I didn't have a jogging stroller at the time, but I did eventually get one. And we would spend an hour every day going on a walk with three other moms. And when we went through some other challenging times, a lot of times they weren't able to, you know, step in and fix the problems. But sometimes you don't need someone who's going to come in and fix your problems. Sometimes you just need someone that you can talk to and you can be real with and you can be yourself. And they're going to get you and they're going to let you just, you know, scream it out, whatever you've got to do, because you're just having a tough day. We all have tough days at some point, And sometimes we need that. Anti-Semitism is on the rise right now. If you would like to take a stand against anti-Semitism this holiday season, I highly recommend you purchase the book, The Christmas Menorahs. It is a fantastic story about a true story that happened in Billings, Montana, and how an entire community stood with the Jewish family who had experienced anti-Semitism around the time of Hanukkah. This book can give you ways and ideas that you too can stand against anti-Semitism this holiday season. Listening to audiobooks in the car was another one. My kids always made lots of noise in the car and noise is, usually it's not a very big trigger for me, but when I am sensitive, it becomes a big trigger. And so we started listening to audiobooks in the car because I found that when we would listen to audiobooks, they were quiet and I needed them to be quiet so I could focus on driving. Now there's plenty of other times that my kids run around and scream like banshees and so do I for that matter sometimes. But there are times where I get sensory overloaded from sound. So that's, that's another thing. Um, another option sometimes is I would make my kids food for lunch, read them a story while they ate lunch, and then I would make myself something so that I could have the ability to enjoy eating it without having to deal with helping them eat at the same time. And sometimes taking the trouble to prepare something a little special that you like. It may not be anything fancy. It may not be anything all that expensive even, but taking time to create something that you like just for you, that's a form of self-care. Finding ways to get connected with people. Even if you don't make a lot of friendships in person, maybe you're at a point where you're spending more time with people online and that's okay too. We have times in our lives where getting out is not going to work. Um, but finding that kind of community online, that's, that's why we have my membership. The membership allows people to have community online with other families who get it. And that's really important. I spent so many hours on forums when my kids were small because I needed community with other people. And getting out and getting community wasn't always accessible, especially at times where my health has been particularly bad. So that, that's another option. And reading books or doing online book clubs, that's a great way to give yourself something to think about. Sometimes online communities can provide you with something to think about, something to do, sometimes picking up some kind of a mindless, repetitive type hobby, um, knitting or crocheting. I mean, yes, those do take some thought, but if you want to just, you know, knit for the sake of knitting or crochet for the sake of crocheting, especially if you do like a scarf, you can just kind of get going and just keep going without really giving it too much thought. Unless you get it way too long and then you might want to like turn into a belt or something, I don't know. But some kind of repetitive hobby type thing is not necessarily a bad idea either. Some people prefer one that puts them outside. So like weeding a garden, that's another type of repetitive activity. And it, some of these things are seasonal. 
But trying to make time every day to look for your something to love, something to think about, and something to do is so incredibly important. Even if you just go, oh, check that box. I spent a few minutes doing dishes. And not just doing dishes, but a dishwashing meditation. Uh, but thinking about the different needs that you have and trying to make sure that we, we prioritize taking some time out to do those things. And sometimes, especially during the holidays, if we're spending a lot of time with extended family, trying to find time that you can get away from everybody for a few minutes, even if you have to go to the bathroom and just sit there for a few minutes. I mean, most of the time, people don't bother you in the bathroom, except for your own children. And then usually at some point, they reach a point where they go, ooh, not going to bother her there. And that, that can sometimes be a great way to just do a check-in on yourself. Where am I at today? How am I feeling? Am I getting overloaded and don't even realize it? Sometimes we just need a moment to check in with ourselves because we've spent all of our day looking outwards to take care of other people. So this holiday season, while we're on break from the podcast, I want you to challenge yourself to try to find what we might call, I've heard it called this way before, Sabbath moments. Moments where we can do some self-care or some self-rest, just a moment to breathe, lower our shoulders, and just let it all go. Maybe listen to our bodies. Is your heart rate up? Are we experiencing tension in a particular part of our body? Can we release that tension? Is something overwhelming us and we haven't even noticed because we're so busy? Taking those moments to check in with yourself is so important. Put an alarm on your phone if you need to. That's one way to do it. You can also set a routine. Some people do well with routines. I generally don't because if I don't commit to my routine every single day, if I skip just once, I will lose the whole routine. So I have learned that although I don't feel very strongly that it's important to always do the exact same routine, I do know that if I don't continue with my routine every day, I will lose it because I get so distracted that I have to rebuild the entire routine from the ground up. You have to find what works for you and what works for you is gonna change depending on the year, what's going on in your life, who you're caring for, but it is important to prioritize. Every single person in a family deserves to have their basic needs met. Maybe not all their needs, but at least the basic ones. So focus on making sure you're meeting the basic needs your child has. And then trying to ask yourself, what are my basic needs? What basic needs do I need to meet for me? Because when you meet your basic needs too, you're going to be a better mom. You're going to be a better spouse. <laughs> you're going to be a better you. Because you're not going to be so incredibly run down and exhausted and running on fumes all the time. So let's agree to take care of ourselves this winter and to try to avoid catching unnecessary diseases because we've run ourselves into the ground. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you all in 2024. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.